0: So Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 22. Therefore, say to Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel. I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you've gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord. When I am proved holy through you before their eyes For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all countries and bring you back into your own land I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws then you will live in the land i gave your ancestors you will be my people and i will be your god let's pray together father thank you that you are here this morning Uh, we have come in in worship to you and now we come to your word which in many ways is still coming in worship to you because there needs to be a response to your word this day I pray that you help each of us to hear your voice. Help me to speak your words. But Lord, I know that you can go way beyond anything I say. And that we would not just be hearers only, but we would respond. That we would respond and be different, changed in your presence, of in the presence of your word. Changed in our thinking, changed in our, our, our doing, changed in our speaking. Changed. To become like you, Jesus. So just move now as only you can. We commit ourselves to you, knowing that you are here, expecting that you will speak, expecting that you will move today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so how many here would like a new phone? Ah, uh, yeah. I figured would be some teenagers over there. How many would like a, a new computer? Okay, how about, how about a new TV? Some of you, uh, there's, um, that, that's kind of, I mean, those are the things I think about. How about a new car? And I do it for some of you guys, a new truck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a new truck about a new house? Yeah, like new. Whoa! look at those hands. Yes, 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 yes. We are more than happy to get something new, especially something that we need or something that there's no way that we could ever get it on our own for free. You're going to get it. But I know I stopped at house, but there's something way bigger. There's something way more grander than all of that. How about an amazing, brand new you? Now, some of you actually are willing to, yeah, yeah. Some of you would like that. Some of you are like, oh, man, I'd rather have a house. (laughs) Then, Then you don't get it. A brand new you. We talk about, and the the question, and this is part two, the question was, do you really want a happy new year? A happy new year. Do you really want that? Well, if you can have a happy new you, then you can have a happy new year. Last week in our communion service, We talked about our responsibility in this. Today, looking more at what God's part is. What we need to recognize, what we need to receive that makes us new. And next week, by the way, I know some of you are looking for that other part. We will start to get into the happy new year. Right now, new. And and, and the point is that you can have a happy new year new life you see this message that we have in the passage that we're looking at today and hopefully you still have your bibles there as we're going to hit those verses there this message which obviously is in the old testament addressed to israel as it often does has a a dual foreshadowing fulfillment at times what can be prescriptive for one can be descriptive in its application for another with the point that what he's talking about here in Ezekiel applies to us in parallels in the New Testament. The newness that is talked about, and in fact we're specifically going to jump, we stopped at verse 25, we're going to go to verse 26 and 27, and the newness that is talked about is the newness of the new covenant that Jesus brought and bought with his own blood for all of us. Remembering even a verse from last week's communion, like in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, that in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But let's focus on that verse 26 here. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Number one. We need to recognize the new person that we have become in Christ. We need to recognize the new person. Last week in verse 25, we talked about a new start. We talked about a clean slate that Jesus gives us in his forgiveness. But he does not just give us a clean slate. He gives us a new slate that we can write our life on. Not just a fresh start, but a new heart and as we think about last week uh, and the confession time, one of the uh, prime places you look is in psalm fifty one is David is there confessing his sin every you're having what do I say what do I do in that thing psalm fifty one is a great place to turn as david is is coming clean before god and and wanting that cleansing from God in verse ten of psalm fifty one he says Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, how many of us have heard that before, right? We know that. We've created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. But did you know that the word that he uses there for create is the same Hebrew word that is used in Genesis chapter 1 for creating the heavens and the earth and everything else that God created? So what David is saying is he's saying, create in me a clean heart. He's not saying, hey, God, could you clean my heart? He's saying, God, give me a new clean heart. Which is what God says he'll do right here. In verse 26, give us a new heart. A, a new mind, a new will, in a very sense, all of what that means of a new heart is a new person. A new person. This is the same message in the New Testament throughout God's Word where He makes things new. John chapter 3 talks about when Jesus was asked, what do you got to do? How does all this happen? By Nicodemus, Jesus says that unless last one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To be born, and in some versions say born anew, not just born again, born anew, and not see the kingdom of God. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse five says, "We are dead in our trespasses, but we are made alive in Christ." There's that whole new life. In fact, Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen, many of us are familiar with. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and As old has passed away, behold the new has come. We are a new creation, a new person. But unfortunately, there are those who have said that they are Christians, or they 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 they're a Christian, they've become a Christian, and people around them look at them and say, "I don't see any different in their life." Now understand. God changes us from the inside out, like the song that we sang just a little bit ago. And sometimes that is not always as obvious right away uh, as it goes. But nonetheless, when someone is saying about somebody supposedly Christian person and saying they are exactly the same not so great person as they were before they said they came to Christ, we have to ask, are they truly a Christian or do they just Did they just get religion? And there is a difference. I know out there in the world, you say, well, that person got religion. Well, that's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Maybe for some, maybe a little bit better, but for some, it doesn't really change anything. And needing Jesus, Savior and Lord, to come and change. There are some that think all they have to do is just show up to God one time in their life, say magic religious words in a prayer, and boom, got my ticket to heaven. I'm a Christian. Now, ultimately, it is God who knows and God who will judge the living and the dead. But it can be very confusing at times as we look at people's lives and what's going on, and we know that we can tell a tree by its fruit. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about that. And it's not talking just about a tree. It's talking about uh, people. It's like you can tell true followers of Jesus by their fruit. We need to recognize the truth of God's Word that if we have come to know Christ, you are new. As we read in verse 26, it says He takes out our stony heart, our hard, unresponsive heart. He puts in a heart of flesh understand that that's not talking about like fleshly words sometimes we use in the in the New Testament it's not fleshly it is not carnal fleshly it is flesh meaning God puts within us a soft tender responsive not rebellious heart that is the new that should be happening and if our heart is still hard callous unresponsive then you have not experienced that The newness of Christ. That needs to sink into our heads. And into our heart. God does not just clean up our life. So it looks new. Because our lives need way more. Than just a little cleaning up. There is a story that. Uh, A.B. Simpson used long. I mean, I wasn't around then, uh, but he used uh, that I remember reading long ago about this whole about sanctification, about holiness, about living for God in the way we should. And, And and he gives the illustration of an old dilapidated shack. That was on a prime piece of property. Downtown, I mean, not downtown oil city, like downtown Manhattan. All right this old dilapidated shack on a prime piece of property that was sold to a millionaire who planned to live on that spot. And when he came to see his new property, he was met by the man who lived in this old dilapidated shack. And this is actually a little more than a shack, but still you can kind of get the picture. He was met by the man who lived in this old shack. And he says, hey, I knew they said that you had bought it and that you were coming down, that you were coming down here. And so I want you to know that I went through and I painted everything, and I repaired some things. I put some new cardboard over here, and I put a, a piece of wood over there. And I, I, this house has never looked like this before. And I just because I knew that you were coming down and you just bought it, and and what do you think the millionaire is going to say? Millionaire has no intention of living in that shack. It is so far gone, no matter what is done to try to repair it, the foundation of that shack, the walls in that, do not need just a little paint. It won't work. Not to mention that even if he could, that is not ever going to be the kind of place that is fit for that millionaire to live. You see, his plan was always to build something new. To replace it, not repair it. Now, are you, you following me with this story? Do you get this? The millionaire is Jesus. And He has bought us by His blood. And His intent is to come and live in us. But that intent is not to repair our dilapidated sinful heart that we read about in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. There is no repairing that can be done, only replacing it with a new heart. To replace the old human nature with a new divine nature. That was always God's plan. And we stop short with just some kind of religion, so often a religion that repairs. Because we don't get that we need a new heart. We think that our heart is not that bad. There are parts of us that are salvageable, especially church people who grow up knowing all about sin, about the need for forgiveness but yet never fully taking ownership that I am a sinner. Not just a good person that occasionally does bad things. That occasionally sins. I am a sinner. And I know that was a thing that, that was a block for me 30, well it would have been more than 30, many, many years ago. Uh, when I came to know Christ was I thought I had it all I was good going to church I mean my family was and I was reading the Bible studying and praying and all those kind of things everything and it wasn't until the spirit of God really grabbed a hold of me and convicted me and helped me to realize you know what you don't got it if you were to die today it's not going to happen because being good enough is never going to be good enough You don't just sin occasionally, Tim. You are a sinner. We are corrupt, hard-hearted enemies of God whose very nature is to sin until He comes in And changes us and makes us new. But let's face it. How many seven-year-olds, or for all that matters, 17-year-olds, who grow up in church, whose parents grow up in church, see themselves that way before they come to Christ? For all that matters, how many of us who came to know Christ as adults long ago, like I just described, remember Us as having a dead heart of stone how many of us that that's what we remember back then that we had a dead heart of stone Or do we remember that we just weren't as bad as some of those worldly godless prodigal people who just hang out with the wrong crowd We weren't like them. Yeah, we need jesus. Everybody needs jesus, but I was not like them I can mention last week. We do not see ourselves as really that sinful But we've got to be willing to admit, and everybody would say, well, it's not that I'm perfect. I mean, obviously, I have a little sin in my life. You know, I have a little sin in my life. About the size, like I said last week, of a nail that was driven through Jesus' hands and feet. Just a little sin. We are judging the seriousness and the size of our sin, the condition of our heart by comparing it to other people instead of recognizing that every single sin by every single person was serious enough to send Jesus to the cross. We know those facts. We are taught. But do we really believe that good religious people need A replacement, new heart, rather than just some repair. He says, I will give you a new heart. That's great, but if you don't think you need it, are we even recognizing that we have it? Religion stops at verse 25 with getting a clean heart. And it reduces what Jesus did on the cross to merely being about forgiveness when it's really about so much more than that, including God's plan and His relationship with us in verse 26 to give us new to those who are, are done with the religious repairing, a replacement new heart. And so when we come to Christ, it's not just a change in me. It is a change of me by God to a new me, a new person. Do we recognize that? That do we take God at His word? You are new. Well, I, I, yeah, somebody said, I, "I know He's working on me." Yeah, I know I, I'm becoming new. Uh, let's go back to Second uh, Corinthians, verse five seventeen. Does it say we are being made into a new creation? You're being made into a new creation and and eventually you'll get there, hopefully, before you die. Now, understand, there is a process of sanctification. There is a process that happens, but that's not just what it's saying. You are a new creation. So live like it. Are you with me? You are a new creation. Live like it. You are new now if you belong to Christ. If you are truly a Christian and not just a a God-fearer that believes in your head kind of person, and you say that you want to live different, recognize that as a Christ Father who has taken up your cross, denied yourself, and followed Him, you are different. You are new with a new nature. And yes, we will still sin. Yes, we may even fall as the battle rages on between the spirit and the flesh, but we will get back up unlike before, and we can win against sin because you are a new person in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, tells us, You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Created to be like God into righteousness and holiness. Put on the new self you have been given. Let's recognize the new person that we've become. But it's not just that. We need to receive the new power that we've been given. As we look at the next part of that in 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And be careful to keep my laws. Some Christians will recognize that there is a problem with their Christianity. And they just say, something's just not right. It, 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 I'm trying, but it, this isn't working. It's just not right. And so what they do is they go looking for some new type of teaching. You know, I, I, I just spend... Uh, it, it, I must be missing something. And so they go look for a new teaching. They go look for a new preacher. They go look for a new church. They go look for some new music, uh, some new prayer method, something new. You got to find. Understand, I'm not just talking about something new contemporary, but something new to them. I got to get it. I, and, and then they they find this. And it, it's at first, it seems like, well, that's it. That's, I, I got it. I got it until a year later, five years later, ten years later. It's no longer new. And they're back to the same place they were before. Yeah, there's Christianity. I don't... This is not it. I didn't, we don't need a new way to do biblical Christianity. We need a new power to do it. When you first came to Christ, maybe you, you felt new. I hope you did. And you felt new. And you felt even maybe someone invincible. Like, I will not be defeated. Right? But over time... We end up settling for kind of a religion that at best just becomes repent, rinse, and repeat. You understand what I'm saying? It's just kind of that's our life. Repent, rinse, repeat. Repent, rinse, repeat. You just kind of go through the religious motion. Some even wonder, you know, wasn't there more to the Christian life than this defeated struggle of discouragement? Or at best, maybe it's not that you don't feel defeated and discouraged, but it's a roller coaster ride of good, not so good. Well, let's face it, bad and good and bad and and really close to God. And oh boy, I'm not sure where he's at and close to God. And, you know, this whole roller coaster and so many Christians today could say that is exactly my life. But God never intended for our life to be a roller coaster. It should be just a straight-on shot right up to Him. God did not make us a new creation, a new person with a new heart just to leave it, leave us to ourselves so that the world, the devil, and everything else can make that new heart that we just got just as sinful and corrupt as the last one with our new heart that He's given us. We feel bad. We we get convicted. We want things to be different, uh, maybe even strongly. It may be that uh, there is a time in a in a morning worship service or in a small group or at a camp or some retreat or something. Maybe just even your personal times of the Lord's where you, you just are overwhelmed with this sense that I really 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 want to be different I'm going it's going to be different now things are not I'm not going to live the way I'm living i'm it's going to change I really want and we make this commitment all out we make this commitment we're going to do different' we're, it, it, and we do everything we can for a little bit until we trip up and fall and eventually until we just feel like Why get up anymore? What happened to the the verse that we are more than conquerors in Christ? People say, I I don't... How does that apply? It must apply to our life in heaven. Because they're not seeing that it applies to their life here on earth. But it does. It applies to the new life. Our new life here was never to be one of forever failing and falling until we fade away into death. God's promises to give us a new heart came with a promise to give us a new power by which we can be more than conquerors through Him who loved us. God has not just given us a new and fresh start just so that we can try harder this time and not give in to sin. We end up trying to fight with our own new with our own determination, with our own strength. But what God wants to give us is not a new willpower. Not some elixir you drink, and somehow now I'm stronger as a Christian. God wants to give us a new power that comes from outside of us, in. Not some human superpower. It is a divine power of a new presence of the Holy Spirit of God within you. From a new relationship. Which God has talked about in verse 28 there in Ezekiel. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. A new relationship. As it's talked about in the New Testament in places like Second Corinthians six. So this is not about trying harder. It is about trusting God to do the work in us as we surrender to Him. First Thessalonians chapter five verse twenty-three it says, "May the God of peace himself make you holy. May He make you holy in every way." And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. We need to receive the power that has been given to us to live the holy life. The power not only to run away with sin, but the power to stand and resist when we can't. This whole discussion of a new person with a new power is... In some ways kind of ironic here in Ezekiel chapter 36 because you know what happens in chapter 37 The valley of dry bones that come to life and are breathed into you know It was it's one thing that all the dry bones came together and then there's flesh on them And there's all this all standing there But it wasn't anything until when until his breath came in and they came alive That is the power i'm talking about that is the power that he gives the power that is him his breath his holy spirit we where a new person with new power keeping in mind The new power is about the presence of the holy spirit not a force like the the forces who be with you but god puts his New spirit. He puts his spirit in us. You see that in verse 27 It doesn't say just god puts a spirit. He says I will put my spirit and so these excuses, well, I just can't help it, or I just can't, I, I seem to have no power, I'm not able, I'm not. God says, I put my spirit in you. He has the power. Uh, let's think about it. This presence of God. And really, what we're talking about, it, this is something that he talks here in, in Jeremiah about a new covenant that the Holy Spirit in the old temporarily did come upon people and depart. But we're talking about here this new covenant permanently indwelling so that we become a new person with new power. Think about it this way. Before coming to Christ, sin would knock on the door and we would open door let it in it sit on the couch and keep us captive we couldn't get it out of our house before coming to christ but when we come to christ jesus as savior sin no longer has a place and no longer has power over us like it once did it doesn't change the temptation and all those kind of things but it no longer has the power over us when we know jesus that the jesus that we just celebrated at christmas who came to save his people from their sins came to save us from our sins by his death on the cross not only free us from the penalty of sin and make a way for us to have salvation but his death freed us from the power of sin to make a way for our sanctification for our being able to live a holy and godly life as he intends for us to live and that comes with a new power that means that we not only are a new person with a new power So when sin comes knocking on our door, there is an option now. We don't have to answer it. The Holy Spirit's presence gives us a new power, as Titus says, to say no to ungodliness. And while it's true that with this new power we have help not to give in to sin, we need to realize that this new power comes a new relationship with Jesus as Savior. Who's walked through the door. We say we invite Jesus to come into our lives. He walks through the door of our life. But it's not just as our Savior that we are and invite him in. We are to invite him in as our Lord. Master. Owner of the house. I want you to think about that analogy. I just talked about sin knocking on the door. And here's where we miss it. I, I think sometimes in the church is we think of this picture We've invited Jesus to come into our life. There's Jesus sitting on the couch with us, so to speak. And sin knocks at the door. And because we have... and I mean, Jesus is a guest in our home right there, you know, on the couch. We've invited him in. He's a guest. And sin comes knocking on the door. And maybe we think about getting up, but Jesus is there and he says something to us. Hey, are you sure you really want to get that? Maybe you shouldn't get that door. I, we've got, now we've got Jesus there. To help us not open the door to sin. That often is a picture that we will hear something like that in churches. But I'm telling you, it's a whole different picture. That's not, I mean, that's good. That picture I just described, Jesus is there in your life to help you not to to say no and all that. That's 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 not the full picture. See, we need to realize... Here we are sitting. If Jesus is our Lord, if Jesus is our master, then here we are sitting, not in my house with Jesus as a guest. Here we are sitting in his house and I am a guest. And can you imagine the audacity being at somebody's house and it's their house, somebody knocks on the door and you get up and answer it after they told you whatever you do don't answer the door i've already taken care of it would we really have the audacity to say it puts a whole different picture on this we're sitting there with jesus but it's his house he's already taking care of whatever sin comes knocking at the door on the cross for us to get up, open the door, and let sin into his house, it just doesn't make any sense. No matter how persistently it knocks. We are not our own. First Corinthians six. We have been bought at a price. And we need to recognize that when we receive this new power to, in a sense, the power of Jesus that he has to keep his house clean, It's if it's his house, if we really have surrendered to his lordship, he's the owner of the house, he has the power to keep his own house clean if we would just let that. When we receive that new power It only happens if we give up that control. If we surrender our house, our life totally and completely over to him. If it's Jesus' house, Jesus rules, Jesus is the boss. So when I'm saying that we can have a happy new you, so to speak, a happy new life with being new and a new power that only happens if we have a new relationship with jesus as our master owner and somebody said well isn't there a responsibility that that we have in all of us and yes there is a responsibility which we have some of which we talked about last week in part one there's strength there's a sense of philippians chapter 2 verse 12 and 13 says therefore my beloved As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But we often just stop there, thinking that's what we have to do. We have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, Now, he says, for, yes, we are uh, involved in the process, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. It's God who works in you. As you're working it out, you are submitting to his work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. There are many Christians who who do not know about this. You know, this whole, what are you going to go and answer the door? What's going to happen with all of that? Listen to a message like this that I'm giving right now and and says, you know, I've I've heard this before. I've heard something like this before. I was preaching. The pastor's not really telling us anything new today. Kind of just check out. And yet, you know what? Not that that's what it's about. What's about this morning is, are you experiencing new power? doesn't matter. you got something new you learned. How about, are you living new? Are, are you, or you just choose, and so many people just choose to walk out of, on the truth of this. And then they come back. Pastor, I'm just struggling with this, and I just have a struggle, and I just... This is, what about the power? What power? The new power. We choose not to walk in the power that God has given us, and we try to live the Christian life in our own sincere, try-harder power self-effort that we need to repent of at best we keep our life on the outside uh, something nice and whitewashed a paint job that looks like a good christian but there's no power inside there's no life and it's a key that's missed by so many churches out there And yet it's something that we try to emphasize within the Christian Missionary Alliance that there is a new power that comes from the presence, the new presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it's not just his presence. It is the fullness of the Holy Spirit, understanding that each of us, when we come to know Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. Each of us receive the gift as we receive the gift of eternal life. We are given a deposit of the Holy Spirit like a seal in our life that we belong to God. But the power comes from the filling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Understanding the disciples were had already received, and obviously he says you receive power when the Holy Spirit Understand, in John, those disciples already received the Spirit. What Jesus is talking about in Acts 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, is not when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to begin with. It already did. When Jesus was in that upper room, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and it says that. We just somehow missed that. And so what he's saying that you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you goes to Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost where all of them were together and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now some like to look at that passage and say, well, Pentecost, that was just a a new era of the church's beginning and and it's just a filling for the church once and forever. There's never anything else that ever is going to happen like that. It just happened that one time. It's never going to happen again. Except... That two chapters later, in chapter 4, verse 31, it says those same disciples, the same exact disciples from Acts chapter 2, were filled with the Holy Spirit again. And they had a power that gave them a boldness. The filling of the holy spirit gives us new power to live a new life to be a new you It is not just a one-time filling. It is something that he continues to do, which is where we read. Whoa My little thing went wild there. I don't know what happened guys. I just lost that you probably don't want to show him amazing grace Is in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 be filled not just be filled with holy spirit, but be being filled with holy spirit We cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit if we're already full of ourselves and our own self-effort to be a good Christian. We need to be emptied so that we can be filled. We need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and release control over to Him. Let go of all that stands in His way. For this is not merely some new power source that you plug into. It is a power authority that you put your life under completely. Uh, think about it this way what what this means as we're on the highway of life As we're on the highway of life. Sometimes we think What religion tells us, you know what? You need to grab a hold of the word of god, right? You need to read the bible And so really I was saying you're on the highway of life. You need to stop And pick up some directions from jesus that he wrote down on a piece of paper In other words the bible Well, that's good that's the that, Good advice is on the highway of life. You're going to make it through. You need to stop and get directions from Jesus. But that you, you need more than that. I say, okay, well, we've asked Jesus into our life. And so we don't just stop and get directions from Jesus. We ask Jesus to hop in and go for a ride along. He's is going to go for a ride along for us. We're asking Jesus during our life. And, and, and we go along. But that's not enough. You say, I, "I know what I know what you are going to say, Pastor. We need to invite Jesus to get in the car with us on this highway of life and give him the wheel, because you like country music. You know, that, that's that's it. Is that Jesus take the wheel and drive our car, drive our life?" At least until we don't like the direction that you're going, and then we're going to ask you to move over to just a little bit while we drive for a while. But that's not it. What needs to happen is Jesus needs to take the car, not the wheel. Jesus needs to have the pink slip, the ownership of the car. Turned over to Him. And let Him drive His car. Not your car. We are not our own. Let Him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, come in in a new way. As we hop in the back seat. To be a new person with new power as the Holy Spirit fill you to overflowing. In fact, can we just say that as we get ready to close? I want you just kind of, and, and I don't have this up on the screen. I really don't have it up on the screen, but I didn't before. You just got to repeat after me. Now, I, I should say this. If you have not, at a point in your life, made a decision to ask Jesus to come into your life, to surrender to Him as your Savior, to, not just to have Him to forgive you, but to give to you that new heart, that new life. And you don't have to say these words because they wouldn't apply to you. But they can. And I just really want to encourage you to talk to me about it, to talk to one of the spiritual leaders here, that you would know for certain that you are, that you would know that you can have a new life and new power. But for those of you who do know Christ, I want you just to repeat after me. Are you ready? I am a new person in Christ. With a new power of Christ. Alright, you've heard it once, so we'll try it again. Ready? I am a new person in Christ. Christ. With a new power of of Christ. Christ. I am a new person in Christ. With a new power from Christ. Now, do you believe that, not just with your head, but with your heart? And it's okay to say, I'm not sure. And He can help you with that. And even as uh, as the worship team to come, even as the worship team comes, and we think about this this final song as we close, that amazing grace, my chains are gone. We've been set free. We've been set free. There are no chains. The power of sin is no longer over, over us. Instead, it's the power of God in us. A grace an amazing grace that has changed us. I once was lost, I was now fined, I was blind, but now I see. We In that song is the very difference of what Christianity is about is what you should be, a new person with a new power. And maybe this morning you just need to come anew to God, whether it's right where you're at, or to come and, and kneel here in the front pew and just before Him, seek Him. Father, thank You as You move in us this morning. That we really would not just know the facts, but we would be living in the faith, fully believing that we are new people with new power, which changes everything. In you, Jesus. Amen.